Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. Where to begin? Tons of games last night where there were 11 games. I guess we'll start with where a lot of our audience head is right now, and that's what is wrong with the Rangers. A very average team through the first 14 games, only six wins in those 14, 15 points. So as it stands right now, the Rangers are on the outside looking in for the playoffs. Again, it's early. I'm not going to freak out. As you take a look at the standings right now, Rangers went to the conference final last year, outside looking in for the playoffs, right? Uh, Tampa, 7-5-1. and one. Now, they've got the last wild card. They went to the Stanley Cup final uh, last year. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh is off to a miserable start. Washington is off to a miserable start. Florida, one of the hottest teams in the NHL this time last year. If the season ended today, they'd be out of the playoffs. But let's look specifically at the Rangers and the disturbing part of where this team is right now. Minus four goal differential. Three, three, and three at home. So they've played 14 games, nine of them at the Garden, and they've just got three wins. Another disturbing fact. Minus six goal differential in the third. Now, what was the difference between the Rangers last year and the year before? The difference was that the Rangers were terrific in the third period last year, plus 37 goal differential, fourth best in the NHL. And last night, they go into the third period of 3-1 lead in their own building, and they lose in regulation. You just can't have that happen. Now, there's a couple of reasons why it happened. Gerard Gallant, after the game, talked about the glass half full. Hey, he thought that the even though he didn't come out and say it, he hinted he thought the Heedle penalty was soft. Islander scoring the power play to tie it. And then, I don't know why there wasn't a call on Wallstrom knocking down Kako, loosening the puck up for what turned out to be the game-winning goal by Lee. So there are excuses, I guess, for what happened on the game-tying and game-winning goal. Well, if you're up 3-1 and you know how big the third period is, you still allowed the pellet goal 14 seconds into the third, which really set the tone for the rest of the way. And if you want to say that there's a couple of breaks that didn't go their way against the Islanders last night, still, what explains why the third period has just been a dead zone for this team this year? The other thing that I've noticed, and I've watched every game, worked every game this year, is that although he has been good and has only lost twice in regulation, the magic of Igor Shosturkin from last year has not shown here early. Now, did he give up a bad goal last night? No, but he still gave up four goals on 26 shots. That's not Igor Shosturkin-like. This time last year, he was flirting with like a 960 save percentage, a historically good save percentage. His save percentage this year is way close to 900 and just not Igor Shosturkin-like, certainly not Besna trophy caliber. So those are the, some of the things that are wrong. They shifted the lines around. They produced some offense at 40 shots on goal. No problem there. Uh, power play was good. Scored two power play goals. Kill not very good. But you're, you're, you're also light lingering. So there's not reason to panic 
But I, can, I, I think it would behoove the Rangers to have some slight concern over what's happened here, especially when you consider, remember, they turned the corner last year after the deadline, acquiring Cop, acquiring Vetrano. Those guys are gone now. You're trying to work Trocheck in to replace Strom. I think that's worked out pretty well, especially on the power play. But right now, they're just in a malaise of average, and it doesn't get any easier. You hit a two-game road trip, Detroit tomorrow, Nashville on Saturday, and Nashville's in free fall. So you should at least get three points on the road. You come home second of back-to-backs where the Rangers have not been very good, but against the Coyotes are at the end of a long road trip. So there may be some points over the next three. If you really want to feel good about the Rangers, you'd like to see them get at least five of the possible six points. And then you hit the road for four. A a great Seattle team that's really off to a tremendous start. Uh, San Jose, who already beat the Rangers in overtime at Madison Square Garden. The Kings, a playoff team from last year. And then the Ducks. So not that it's... Uh, a, a tough four-game road trip, considering the competition, but it is a West Coast trip, and sometimes it's difficult to get points against anybody when you're 3,000 miles away from home. So the Rangers squandered a four-game homestand here, winning only just one game in regulation and only earning three of a possible eight points. Now, let's not take anything away from the Islanders. The Islanders have been terrific. What, seven of their last eight? They have been tremendous back this is the first time since 2018 i don't know if anybody had saw this and like the fourth time since the 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 lockout that canceled the 0405 season that a team on back-to-back nights came back from a two-goal deficit entering the third because the islanders did it the night before against calgary calgary still earned a point by going to overtime But the Rangers, but the Islanders were able to win this one in regulation against the Rangers. So you're down 3-1 back-to-back nights going into the third period, and you come away with four points. They're getting terrific goaltending. Varlamov has been great, along with Sorokin. Varlamov did have his shutout streak at Madison Square Garden, snapped it 200 and was it 253 minutes and 36 seconds, and he still finds a way to win again. And they're doing it pretty much without Barzell. Lee has been good. The blue line's producing points. I like this Islanders team a lot. And it's the same old song and dance that we've talked about before in the Metropolitan Division, that all these teams that are improved that were not playoff teams last year, the New Jerseys, the Phillies, uh, the New York Islanders, will put the teams like the Capitals, the Penguins, and the Rangers on notice. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Now, we mentioned the Devils again. 
They blow the 2-1 lead in the third on the Toffoli goal, but then Heashier comes right back and scores. And the Devils now have won seven straight games. They started the year 0-2 and, what, have won 10 of the next 11 games. It's been unbelievable what New Jersey's been able to do. The question's always going to be, is it sustainable? But if it's about speed and goals, they're producing that. They're getting better goaltending than I think people thought. And it's really start start time to take notice here. Are, are, are they good enough to win this division? No, but they've got 20 points in 13 games. They've got a plus 14 goal differential, which right now, as we speak, is the best in the Metropolitan Division and is like the fourth best in the league. Five and two at home, lost once in regulation on the road. Seven in a row, nine of ten is the actual number for the Devils. So Devils have been better. Islanders have been better. You know, Carolina still been Carolina, still very good through their first 12 games. Just haven't played a lot, but still have won six, three, and one in their last 10. Metropolitan Division, man, Eastern Conference, man, is going to be interesting. Sabres put up a dud against the Coyotes. Final score there was four to one, four different goal scorers for the Coyotes. Blues are in free fall. Um, Back to back games against the Bruins and the Flyers. Losses again. So St. Louis, you just wonder how much longer before serious changes are going to happen there. Eight consecutive losses right now have tied with Columbus for the least amount of points in the NHL. They've played one less game than Columbus. They've only played 11, but a minus 20 goal differential. Nothing's working for this team. Ryan O'Reilly finally scored just his second goal of the year last night. So... You know, Armstrong has already came out and said he's disappointed with the start, and the team has not responded since he spoke. So probably only a matter of time before Barubi gets let go. I know you hang on because, remember, when the Blues won the Cup in 19, uh, they literally were the worst team in the NHL at, the, at, at New Year's and, and turned it around. But sometimes that can be fool's gold to think you can always pull that out of your hat again. Uh, Vancouver wins... Over Ottawa, Ottawa, another one of those teams that everybody was high on, including myself, going into the season. They put a ton of shots on goal, but they're just not getting the goaltending right now. And the Canucks get a huge night from Bo Horvat, who very quietly has got 12 goals. McDavid leads the league with 14. Horvat's been good. Besser just can't stay in the lineup. He's only played six games. I think last night was his seventh game, but he uh, did pick up a goal last night. At least he did have it. I don't know if they changed it. Because I'm just looking quick here. I think he got his first of the night last, uh, uh, the first of the year last night. I'm just going over quick to see if they maybe change that goal. Because I don't, let's see, uh, Besser, no, no goal. I guess they changed it. So he's still stuck with no goals. Crazy. Um, Cal, uh, Golden Knights. Leafs put up a nice fight. Give the Leafs credit. Back-to-back games against two of the best teams in the NHL. They beat Boston on Saturday. They come up short but still earn a point at home against the Golden Knights. And uh, Ryan O'Reilly gets the game-tying goal, gets the game-winning goal in overtime as the Golden Knights just continue to be impressive. I was all wrong about them. 12-2. and two. 12 of their first 14 games, best record in the NHL, plus 20 uh, goal differential is second best in the NHL to Boston's plus 23. So that was a a fabulous game last night. Uh, Canadians win in a shootout over the Detroit Red Wings, despite the fact the Red Wings outshot the Canadians 43-33. to Uh, The young player, the the first-round pick for the Montreal Canadiens, 
Stakowski is going to get a hearing because of a boarding penalty he took against Matt Luff. So that's going to guarantee he's going to miss some time because of suspension. Great game in Tampa between the Oilers and the Lightning. Lightning bounced back after their loss in Washington to win in regulation over the Lightning. There was a goal by Baroon that was taken off the board in the third period that would have tied it. And again, the dry sidle McDavid show, which has always been the case there. But the big story out of this one was Evander Kane forced to leave the game hospitalized as he got tied up, and then inadvertently, Maroon skated over his wrist and cut his hand. It was really ugly to see. I don't know if anybody saw the video, but blood coming out. You could see he's obviously in pain. Skates fiercely to the bench. Uh, credit John Cooper after the game. You know, went and, and went into the Oilers' dressing room to, to seek Kane out. I think he was already at the hospital, but just trying to see if he was okay, which was classy out of John Cooper. So that could be a tough loss, but a scary, scary moment. You know, those gloves are supposed to extend down the wrist, but every once in a while, kind of fluky things happen, and that's a, it. Was a difficult thing to watch and a difficult loss uh, for the Edmonton Oilers as far as personnel is concerned. But they do earn the win. Uh, Mark Scheifele, a couple of goals in the Jets' 5-1 win over the Stars. Kraken continued to impress as the Kraken win 5-1, and they're right now in second place. The only reason that there isn't more conversation about them is just how good Vegas has been in the Pacific Division, but they're in second place right now, 8-4-2, plus 9 goal differential, and doing that being very average at home, 3-3-1, but they've been spectacular on the road. They've won five in a row. And they're getting it from a, a bunch of different places, which is what they're going to have to do. Uh, Eberly was good for them. Gets a couple of goals last night. Uh, the goaltending has been pretty solid for uh, the Kraken as well, something they didn't get a lot of last year. But they're also cracking down defensively. Jones only had to face 25 shots and made 24 saves for the victory. So good job by the Kraken, who win despite just 20 shots on goal. And the Predators, we've discussed this before. I don't know if it's the Czech Republic hangover or what it is. But they are 5-7-1, just 11 points, minus 10 goal differential, uh, just three wins in their last 10 in a very, very difficult central division. So Nashville's got their problems. I'm going to get the chance to see Nashville firsthand on Saturday. I'll be calling that game with Dave Maloney uh, on Saturday night in Nashville to try to just get, find, you know, find out what's up there. Um, I thought they were a playoff team. They still could be a playoff team. But Nashville just a, a mess right now. And the Wild are no better. They were shut out in Los Angeles to the Kings. Final score there was one to nothing. And uh, the goal came. Filardi, his 10th. He's been a surprise for the Kings. Uh, came with uh, just a little over six minutes to go in regulation. But they just got to find a way to generate a little bit more offense there in Minnesota. And kind of the same thing with Nashville, too. They're 5-6-1 and one with just 11 points. They've got a minus-six goal differential. I'm telling you, this Central Division is pretty stout. You know, Dallas is good. You know Colorado is eventually going to wake up. Winnipeg's off to a very, very good start. But you're Nashville, you're Minnesota, you're St. Louis, you're behind Arizona right now. Now, the, the Chicago's played better than people think, but they're still only 5-5-2, five, five, and two, and I do think they'll start making some moves. I, I'm starting to hear a lot of traction that Kane, meaning Patrick Kane, could get dealt to the Rangers. That could be just exactly what the Rangers need. They wouldn't have to give up a ton. I was talking to Rick DiPietro on the Michael K show yesterday. He says, you get him, put him on the line with Panarin. Those guys worked very well when Panarin was in Chicago. Could be the wake-up call that the Rangers need, and it's just a matter of time before Taves and Kane are probably going to go. 
um, because you just want to see where this is going to head right now. But you're starting to see them come back down to earth just a little bit after that quick start. But maybe you won't see anything happen uh, until after the holidays. So that's where we stand with a tremendous amount of hockey last night. I want to hear from you at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. I know a lot of people want to get into a lot of the things that are happening with the local teams, including Adam, who asks, what I find most scary about the Devils' start is they're playing with uh, this well with guys like Luke Hughes and Simon Nemec still in the pipeline. Imagine how good they could be once those guys come up. And it's true. You know, but this is why I compare them to Colorado. So many good young players, so many skilled players. The pipeline's strong. It's just a matter of whether the goaltending was going to be good. But they can use some of these pieces maybe to add a goaltender if they were to, if they want to. Uh, Blackwood's hurt right now, but uh, they're getting uh, you know, certainly good goaltending from Varacek. I, 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 I like where New Jersey is right now. Now, are they are they a first place team? Are they a cup contender? But uh, they've been certainly fun to watch, and the future is pretty bright. And that's the benefit of having some patience, right? It's been a while since the Devils have been good. What was that, 2017-18, the last time they went to the playoffs, lost in five to Tampa. It's been since it's been a decade now. It's you got to go back to 2012 when they made the run to the Stanley Cup final, and, and that was with you know a lot of pieces. Leon Parisi was still there. Brodeur was still there. But in this new era, uh, post-Lou Lamarillo, they have not had – very much success but they've been very patient and they're waiting out these young players using a lot of good strong high first round picks and maybe we're starting to see it come together here pandemonium v2 says islanders contender or pretenders is is the come from behind method over and over going to hurt them sooner than later it's never really a good sign i don't care what sport it is it's not a good recipe for sustainability when you spot teams leads early and expect to be able to do that all the time now it shows you that you've got heart and desire and will to be able to come back it's no joke it doesn't happen very often back-to-back days never mind games days you come back from two goal deficits going into the third period but hey they still need more from barzell but they are a clamped down defensive team that should get better as the season goes on Remember, Lambert's only been there, you know, I know he was an assistant coach, but, you know, taking over for um, Barry Trotz, it it might take a little time for everything to kind of gel together, but you're starting to see it now. Why would – now, the Islanders didn't do a thing during the offseason, but last year they had the built-in excuses, right? 13 straight games on the road waiting for the building to open. I don't think there's been any team in sports more devastated by COVID than the Islanders as far as personnel not being able to play. Lou played it conservative during the offseason. That doesn't mean he will play it conservative at the deadline, so they might be able to make some moves. But they gave the money to Barzell, which was like the big financial move. It hasn't paid off just yet. But they're not that much different than the team that won a couple of rounds two straight years. And let's face it, they would have won the Cup if they won Game 7 against Tampa the year before last because they would have beaten the Canadians in the finals. So they, we know they're good. It's just a matter of being able to keep it together. Uh, David Hines has two questions. Even though it's clearly early, how crazy is it that the top two teams in the Western Conference are the two most recent expansion teams? It is crazy. Two, Buffalo Goathead jersey as a third alternate. Are you a fan or no? Never was. Because, again, their nickname's the Sabres, not Buffalo. Buffalo is the name of the city. 
Plus, it doesn't really look like a buffalo. It looks like a goat. No, I'm not a fan. Not a fan. And I, and I wanted to check this out again. I hate playing this game. But I think it's important to do because it was so stark last year. And I know the team stinks, but their future is starting to get a little brighter. But what's going on with the attendance? Again, just a shade over 10,000. I know the Coyotes are not attractive. I know it's in the middle of the week. But the Sabres are starting to play better hockey. They were bad for so long and still filled that building. I called games when the Sabres were god-awful. When Mackenzie Zapsky, who was a backup goaltender in the time for the Rangers, beat them twice in like a week. I called both of those games in Buffalo, and there was 18,000 people in the building. And now the team is starting to find, you know, gain some traction. And I thought it might have been COVID. I thought it might have been the vaccination things. Oh, we've kind of we've kind of got beyond that. I'd love to be able to hear from somebody in Buffalo. Is it just have you lost patience with this team? Uh, did the whole Eichel thing turn you off? What is it that such a great traditional hockey market? If you go back years, Stanley Cup final, right? Let's say if you had a Stanley Cup final, St. Louis, Boston, right, which you had a couple of years ago. The highest rated cities in the United States, ratings wise, for the Stanley Cup final would have been Boston one, St. Louis two, and then Buffalo would be three. Like Buffalo always was like in the top five, you know, because it's such a great hockey market. And now they finally got a team that might be worth rooting for. Again, they're not spectacular, but they seem to be getting better. And yet it seems like it's the same 10,249 every single night. I'd love to hear from somebody who might listen to the podcast from Buffalo if there's something that I just don't know uh, what, what's really going on there uh, in Buffalo. Uh, JJ says, hey, Don, are Taves and Kane almost guaranteed to be traded before the deadline? If so... Which one is more likely and what possible fits do you see for both? Wish I could come to the K-Show anniversary, but being in college in North Carolina makes it impossible. We'd love to fly you out, but we just don't have it in the budget. But uh, we'll be thinking of you, JJ, at the anniversary party, which, by the way, will be at the Palladium on November 18th. So buy your tickets at kshow20th.com. Looking forward to seeing you out there. There are tickets available anyway. As I said, Kane going to the Rangers. Kane's the better player right now. Taves is off to a very good start. I think he's got like seven or eight goals. Taves, to me, looks like a guy that he's kind of this era's Mark Messier in the sense that he's a leader, multiple cup champion. I'm not saying he's Mark Messier, but you know what I'm talking about. A really good player, going to the Hall of Fame, a lot of hardware, leader of a great team. Um, is there a team out there that feels like they just kind of need that leadership? Let's just say, let's say Seattle is in contention at the deadline and they want to make the playoffs. Would his leadership help there? Um, could there be a place, you know, like, like if Vegas feels like they just need that little extra something? Kane, I just think, is a perfect fit for the Rangers. I do. He's what they need. He could play with Panarin, they could use the winger. Um, but I do think both will be done. That's going to be hard for Blackhawk fans to to live with because it's been – with all the changes, you think about that 2010 championship and all the players that were a part of that that had to go almost immediately, you know, the Bufflins of the world that were like – they were out like almost immediately. Um, the Emmy and um, who else was – uh, Shaw and just trying to think of different players that were like were like exited because they were like in cap hell at the time, 
And but no, but through it all, it was Kane, Taves, Seabrook, and Keith. Well, Seabrook's done. Keith is now done, and had to go to Edmonton before he decided to retire. And but to see those two go would be tough, and, and especially on the heels of losing DeBrinket during the off season, um, losing Kubalik during the off season. I mean, there's a lot of change there in Chicago, but you had a nice run. Joe says, "What do you think, Don LeGrecq? Yes, the Islanders have played well." But I also think they're taking advantage of the underachieving teams they've faced. And great goaltending helps with that. Sounds a little like the Rangers this time last year. All right, Flames are struggling. Rangers are struggling. I get that. But it's all about accumulating points, man. Dave Maloney once told me, points don't go bad. Once they're once you once you take those two points, nobody's taking them away from you, okay? Now, there will be tough times, I'm sure. And there will be times where they'll hit the skids. But they've got the points they need, and however they're getting them, they're getting them. And I do think they'll probably have to make a deal at some point, but I do think they're a playoff team. Yankees and Penguins says, Hi, Don. Do you think that Craig Berube might be in trouble in St. Louis? I think if he didn't win the Cup a couple of years ago, he'd probably already be gone. Now, that probably buys you a little bit more time because of the fact that he got a ring, the first ring ever for the St. Louis Blues. But seven straight losses, you're going nowhere. It's starting to look like, or eight straight losses, it's starting to look like it's going to be a lost season for a team that should be way better than this. I hate to see people lose their jobs, but I think it's probably time for there to be a change. Jimmy says, the games where Lindgren was out in the playoffs, the Rangers' defense looked discombobulated as they do now. Is this a telling sign as to what a valuable and underrated defenseman he is. Well, he is underrated, and he is valuable. Now, why are you discombobulated? Well, because it affects everything, all right? You take Lingren off that pairing. So what do they do? He, he gets hurt in a game against Boston. So what do they do against Detroit? They put Miller with Fox, and then the second pairing, I think what they did was they brought Jones up to play with Truba, and then Hayek then gets back into the lineup, and then he plays with Schneider. So it affects all three of your pairings. Now, last night, because Hayek played so well against Detroit, they decided to give him more minutes. Now he's playing on the top pairing with Fox. They put Miller and Truba back together, and then Jones is back with Schneider, and they looked even more discombobulated, even though only the one pairing was changed. I, I, th- this is the best defensive core in the league, in my opinion. But you, one guy's missing. You got, you know, let's listen. Jones and Schneider are kids, okay? So that's your, that's your, that's your third pairing. You throw Hayek in there, and let's face it: over the last three years, he hasn't played very much. He's basically been their seventh defenseman. So Lingren blocks shots, great defender. And when you get Lingren and Fox together, and then you can put Miller and Truba together, that's magic in your top pairings and I think that's why he probably wanted Libor Hayek to move up because he wanted to put Truba and Miller back together again and it hooked up for the game tying goal because both Truba and Miller assisted on the Heedle goal but it also means that you got Libor Hayek playing 25 minutes it just really messes up the rotations and hopefully they'll be able to get him back um and then finally young TC says thoughts on Shesty's season so far as I mentioned earlier, he has only lost a couple of games in regulation, so his stats don't look that bad as far as wins and losses are concerned. He doesn't seem 
to be as magical as he was last season. And that's huge. There's been too many games early this season where you're giving up four or five goals on like less than 30 shots. And that's just not Igor Shostorkin. You take a look at um, his, let me just pull up his stats here for you. Last year, this was a guy that was like consistently, this early in the season, he was like 95% save percentage. He was like incredible. So, so far this season, you look at his record again, 6-2-0, and 2 He's got two losses in overtime. 2.58 goals against average. That's like a full goal more than last year at this time. And like I said, he was flirting with like 9.50, 9.60 save percentage. He's got a 9.10 save percentage. So, again, those aren't embarrassing stats. Those are pretty good stats that you know can get better. But a lot different than last year. And, oh, by the way, you know, Chris Kreider scores 52 goals last year, and even though he scored last night, he's on pace to score like 30. So if you're going to lose 22 goals from your top scorer, if that turns out to be the case, and your goaltender goes from, you know, Ken Dryden to slightly above average, you know, that's gonna that's really going to reflect on what your overall standings are going to be. So... Again, it's too early to panic. It's November 9th. They played 14 games. Way too early to get freaky, but at the same time, I think it's late enough where you're, you're, you're a tad, tad bit concerned. Concerned about their confidence and also concerned that, hey, as we mentioned before, not a fait accompli that you're going to be one of the top three teams in that division. Not the way the Islanders are playing, not the way the Devils are playing, not the way Philly's playing. You know, uh, now you're relying on a wild card with improved teams in both conferences, in in both divisions. Look at Detroit is is acting like they're a playoff team now, right? So, could be scary. You don't want to sit there and miss the playoffs and look back and go, God, look at our record the first month of the season. Boy, we really buried ourselves. Look at that four-game homestand. There were eight points laying there for us, and we left five of them on the table. You know, we blew a two-goal lead against Detroit. We blew a two-goal lead against the Islanders. You know, only got a point in those two games. I mean, think about it. Now, it was after one that they had a two-goal lead, but still, you had a two-goal lead at home against Detroit, two-goal lead against at home going into the third period against the Islanders. You didn't get four, but you left three points on the table. You got one point. So, got to make up for it. Winnable games coming up over the next uh, few for the Rangers, and we'll see what they do before they hit the West Coast trip. All right. Thanks for everybody for participating today. A lot of fun. Thanks to Anthony Pusick for producing this gem. We'll be back with you again on Friday. So what does Friday mean? Top five of the week. Take more of your tweets on social media, at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. We'll do that on Friday. So it'll be a lot of fun. Want to get in touch with me? That's the way to do it uh, during the course of the week as well. Back with you again on Friday. This was the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.